Hello everyone. This is a reading from Exodus 3, 1 to 22. Moses was taking care of the flock for his father-in-law, Jethro, Midian's priest. He led his flock out to the edge of the desert and he came to God's mountain called Horeb. The Lord's messenger appeared to him in a flame of fire in the middle of, the, of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was in flames, but it didn't burn up. Then Moses said to himself, let me check out this amazing sight and find out why the bush isn't burning up. When the Lord saw that he was coming to look, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, Moses said, I'm here. And the Lord said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. He continued, I am the God of your father, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I've clearly seen my people oppressed in Egypt. I've heard their cry of injustice because of their slave masters. I know about their pain. I've come down to rescue them from the Egyptians in order to take them out of that land and bring them to a good and broad land, a land that's full of milk and honey, a place where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites all live. Now the Israelites' cries of injustice have reached me. I've seen just how much the Egyptians have oppressed them. So get going. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I to go to Pharaoh to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I'll be with you, and this will show you that I'm the one who sent you. After you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here and worship God on this mountain, God's special name. But Moses said to God, if I now come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, what is this God's name? What am I supposed to say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. So say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God continued, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how all generations will remember me. Go and get Israel's elders together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, Jacob has appeared to me. The Lord said, I've been paying close attention to you and to what has been done to you in Egypt. I've decided to take you away from the harassment in Egypt and to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land full of milk of honey. They will accept what you say to them. Then you and Israel's elders will go to Egypt's king and say to him, The Lord, the Hebrews, God has met with us. Now let us go on a three-day journey into the desert so that we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. However, I know that Egypt's God won't let you go unless he's forced to do it. So I'll use my strength and hit Egypt with dramatic displays of my power. After that, he'll let you go. I'll make it so that when you leave Egypt, the Egyptians will be kind to you and you won't go away empty-handed. Every woman will ask her neighbor, along with the immigrant in her household, for their silver and their gold jewelry, as well as their clothing, and you will put it on your sons and daughters, and you will rob the Egyptians. We are a community that loves like Jesus, and today, my hope and my prayer is that this would be a transformative space for you. The last several weeks, we have been learning about faith and obedience, and last week, we learned about Joseph and how he trusted God no matter what happened to him. Joseph had some terrible things happen to him in his life, basically sold into slavery, betrayed by his brothers, falsely accused, yet he never lost faith in God. He trusted God's plan. Well, before Joseph, we learned about Abraham and how he was willing to do anything that God asked him to do, including sacrificing his own son, Isaac, Basically, he waited for Isaac to come for his entire life. He actually had him tied to an altar, raised a knife to kill him, 
Ultimately, God stopped him from doing what he was actually going to do, but Abraham was prepared to do it if God had commanded him to do it. Well, following along those same lines of doing anything that God asks you to do, we're going to talk again about trust and obedience. And today, we're going to learn how to play the role that God wants us to play no matter what. That is God's purpose for our lives. So in order to step up and play the role that God wants us to play, we, we need to have this idea of trust, trusting in God. So in order to be obedient, we have to trust in God. When we wanna fulfill God's purposes or in order to fill God's purposes in our life, we have to trust in God. Yet the nature of human nature is I second guess everything. I don't know if you do, but I second guess everything. And of course, if God's going to ask me to do something, I'm going to question a litany of questions and give a litany of excuses not to do it, right? That's, that's who we are as people. Well, God has given us certain talents. He's given us time. He's given us certain treasures so that we can be bold for him and play the role that he wants us to play. So today we are continuing this series called The Best Stories Ever with Moses and the Burning Bush. So let me give some historical backdrop here and let me give, give a place of where we are at in the story. Pharaoh, the Pharaoh that cared for Joseph basically, eventually dies and a new Pharaoh arises and he didn't really know who Joseph was. So the Israelite people eventually fall into slavery. They grow into a large community beforehand and they start gaining power and control. And so the Pharaoh put them under oppression. And over time, that community, even under slavery, becomes very powerful as well. And another Pharaoh decides to kill the firstborn sons of each Israelite home. So Moses' mother was an Israelite. She puts her child Moses in a basket, puts him down by the river, basically in desperation, and Pharaoh's daughter eventually finds Moses. Moses then is raised in Pharaoh's home. Moses gets in trouble because he kills an Egyptian and then is threatened to be killed. Moses runs away to the desert. He hunkers down by a well in Midian, this, this area called Midian, and these girls come by. They get harassed by some other shepherds, and Moses comes to the rescue of these young ladies. The girls were the daughters of a priest of Midian. So he ends up marrying one of the daughters. He has a kid. Now he's chilling in the desert. So he's hanging out with the flock one day that he's put in charge of, and this bush catches fire, and the bush actually starts talking to Moses. And that's where we are at in this moment of history in the book of Exodus. So the question that I'm trying to answer today is how do I step into the role that God wants me to play? We all have different roles to play, yet how do I step in the role that God wants me to play? Well, first, I need to recognize some things in my life. It's really easy sometimes to recognize the talents that I have in my life. I do good at this and I do good at that. And sometimes it's harder to, well, I can figure out what I'm not good at, but yet it's harder to 
find out and figure out what my limitations that I have in my life. Sometimes I don't have a lot of self-awareness about what I really can't do well. And so sometimes the nature of human nature is to think that we're doing something well, but we're really not doing well at it. So God has given us certain talents, but life has given us certain limitations that we need to recognize first uh, stepping into what God wants us to do. So in Exodus 3, Moses was taking care of the flock for his father-in-law Jethro, Midian's priest. He led his flock out to the edge of the desert and he came to God's mountain called Horeb. The Lord's messengers appeared to him in a flame of fire in the middle of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was in flames and, so, and it didn't burn up. So of course he's curious, right? And he said to himself, let me check out this amazing sight and find out why the bush isn't burning up. So in verse four of chapter three, it says, when the Lord saw that he was coming to look, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, I'm here. So this is another story of obedience. God calls Moses and Moses says to God, I'm here. He doesn't say, what, what's going on? Or what do you want? Or hey, you're breaking up, I can't hear you. No, he just declares, here I am. I am here. So again, in the many generations after Joseph, the Hebrew people prospered, they multiplied, they grew in number in Egypt. And the new Pharaoh began to fear him, fear this culture, fear this community. So he feared their strength and he also feared that, the, that a war would break out basically and the Hebrews would support the enemies that surrounded uh, since they weren't Egyptian. And so the Egyptians then enslaved the Hebrew people oppress the Hebrew people. And the problem that the Egyptians had is the more that the Egyptians oppressed the Hebrew people, the more they multiplied and grew and became just powerful in number. So the Egyptians were even more brutal at this time. Again, they, they basically ordered the killing of all the newborn Israelite, uh, Israelite boys. So it is here that God promises to rescue his people from slavery in Egypt and lead them to what we now know as the promised land. So God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let the Hebrew people go. And maybe you've listened to the Veggie Tales cartoon or you've heard some depictions, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. So this is the story in Exodus 3. Starting in verse 7, it says, Then the Lord said, I've clearly seen my people oppressed in Egypt. I've heard their cries of injustice because of their slave masters. I know about their pain. So God sees the situation that's, that's going on. I've come down to rescue them from the Egyptians in order to take them out of the land and bring them to a good and broad land, it says. And maybe you've heard this before, a land that's full of milk and honey, a place where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, they all live. Now the Israelites' cries of injustice have reached me. I've seen just how much the Egyptians have oppressed them. So get going. 
I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So that's a scary proposition, I would say. I mean, when I read that, I, I think about the Pharaoh being the most powerful person in the world. He's the man with the power of life and death over every person in the kingdom. He's basically considered a god. That's why they're buried the way that they're buried. They're buried in gold and treasure, um, in, in, in tombs and mummified for eternity because they thought that they were God. They thought that they were godlike. And so the Pharaoh was extremely powerful. So to say that this is a light ask, it's not a light ask. It's a heavy proposition. And Moses, we know in the story, ultimately did what God had commanded him to do. But he was resistant, just like I would be. He was afraid, just like I would be, just like any of us would be. And in fact, we see later in the story, Moses gave every reason, a litany of excuses why he could not, should not, and would not carry out what God said. But God did not let him off the hook. So in order to do what God wants to do through us, we need to have something a little bit special, and that's called God confidence. We, we often hear about a person having self-confidence. We used to go to bookstores, and there would be a huge number of shelf after shelf of self-confidence books. So self-confidence is an emotional um, growth uh, idea that we would just have a positive self-image and build upon that positive self-image. Very understandable, but yet when we live in God confidence, we are truly allowing ourselves to become what God wants us to become. So God confidence means that I trust God more than I trust myself. It doesn't mean that I'm not afraid. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm not scared. It just means that I have faith that God will carry out the promises and carry out what he says he's going to do through me. He's going to carry out those even with my limitations, even with my mistakes, even with my voids. So I know that I'm human and I know that I'm not perfect. And as a person in my flesh, I know that I sin. Moses sinned, I sin, we all sin. So my humanness, my mistakes, my voids are all limitations. And I must accept this in my life. Yet I need to know that God is with me even with my limitations, mistakes, and voids. I need to know that God is for me. I need to have faith that God is gonna carry out what he promises even in spite of my limitations, and this is called God confidence. So I can stand in God confidence of what God asks me to do, yet I also don't need to second guess God's call, and that's the second idea that I learned from Moses. We, we oftentimes are resistant to God's call. We second guess what God is, is doing, and we look back in our lives and the shoulda, woulda, coulda contracts that we have, should have listened to God in that situation. If I only would have listened to God in this situation, my life would be different, you know, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. We, 
We live many times in a lot of regret of the shoulda, coulda, woulda contracts. I should have done what God asked me to do. Yet we can't do anything in the past. We only start today in doing what God asks us to do and not shake God off because we shook God off before and Moses is shaking God off in this story and resistant to God's call, we need to keep from shaking God off in the, in the future. So what God is asking of me, a lot of times we're resistant, sometimes we're afraid, we need to push past that and say, God, I am here. So God told him to go to Pharaoh to demand, and this is next level stuff, to demand that the Hebrews be freed from slavery. This is a break in their economic system. This is a break in the Egyptian culture. And we see in verse 10 of chapter 3, so get going. And I love that translation. Just get off your butt and start doing something. He says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, um, the Israelites, out of, of Egypt. And then Moses says, who am I to go to Pharaoh and to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And that's, we do that all the time where God says, Kevin, do this. And I make it about myself. Well, who am I? Right? Well, God says, I'm not really necessarily worried about who you are at this moment. I'm asking you to do something. I am God. I'm asking you to do something. It's us who brings it upon ourselves. Well, who am I to do that? I'm a nobody. And God says this, I'll be with you. And this, is, this will show you that I am the one who sent you. After you do this work, after you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here and worship God on this mountain. And so then Moses says, if I now come to the Israelite people and say to them, the God of your ancestors have sent me to you, they're going to ask me, what's this God's name that sent, us, sent you to us? What am I supposed to say to them, he says. Then God says this, I am who I am. Say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. See, that's a key word of like, wow, the, the God that I remember, that God in our history, the, the one true God that Abraham talked about, he's the one who has sent Moses. God continued, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, Abraham's God. Oh, that's a trigger. I remember Abraham's God. Isaac's God. I remember Isaac's God. I, I know these stories. I remember my great-grandfather told me these stories. And Jacob's God. If you don't remember Abraham's God and you can't remember Isaac's God, certainly you're going to remember Jacob's God has sent me to you. This is my name. I am. This is, this is the name of God, the unspeakable name of God. This is how all generations will remember me. So after this reminder of this is who I am, I am who I am, there's a discourse of promises that are issued, a litany of promises that God just says, I will be with you, I'm not going to abandon you. But even though God tells him all of these things and what he's going to do for him and help him and protect him, Moses still protests. He basically says, but what if they don't believe me or pay attention to me? They might say to me, the Lord didn't appear to you. So we get second-guessed all the time, right? 
We stand out in boldness, and our leadership sometimes scares people. It puts people off, and so they say, well, this person is not worth it. Who are you to like, tell me what I can and can't do, right? How many of us have done and been in those situations? And so even though we have a litany of God's promises, we cower by people's questioning. We cower by people's just naysaying in our life. Even after a litany of God's promises, we cower to people's voices, especially the negative ones. So Moses needed to understand that God was trying to communicate to him that he knows what is best. He already knows what's going to happen. He knows what is best for Moses, and Moses is questioning at every level. So, so Moses is not just asked to carry the name of God. He's not just asked to say, well, just tell him who I am, that I am God. He's actually asking Pharaoh to break the kingdom. He's actually asking Pharaoh to break the economic system because the slavery was their workforce. The slaves were their workforce. The slavery was a part of their kingdom, their economic stability. And so he's asking Pharaoh to break that stability. So God does a couple magic tricks. He takes a rod and turns it into a snake. Snake. I wish a snake. He takes a rod and turns it into a snake. Takes the snake and turns it back into a rod. He makes his hand, takes his hand, put it in your pocket and pull it out and it's diseased and put it back in there and pull it out and it's healed, you know? So he does uh, basically these signs and wonders to prove to Moses that he is who he is. And, and I would say that, that sometimes we need signs and wonders because we excuse away our talents, we excuse away our abilities, and God is saying, no, I can use you, I can use you. Sometimes we just need just an extra, hey, here's a sign, and, and I'm going to write this in red letters in the sky, and, and you're going to do this. But even though the red letters are in the sky, right, even though signs and wonders and miracles are happening to Moses in front of his, in front of his face, Moses pulls out all stock and says, basically, I can't do this because I stutter. I can't do this because I'm slow as speech. I can't do this because of my, my physicality. He gives a litany of excuses, and, and basically, I'm emotionally unprepared. I'm intellectually not prepared, and I'm also physically not prepared. So what's interesting that I find in this whole interaction is back at the beginning when Moses is questioning what he should say. And basically, God says, tell them that I am God. But on the other side of that coin, basically God is telling Moses, you need to know that I am God. Tell yourself that I am God. And a lot of times I get myself in situations where, where I I need to know that God is God. Not, not the people around me need to, they need to know that God is God, duh, you know, but, but I need to know that God is God, that he's gonna carry me through this, that he knows me and he, need, he knows my name. And even though we are in obedience and we're, we're trying to do our best in life, we, we lose our way. We we sometimes lose our vision. We don't know what's next in our life. And we need to remind ourselves 
that God is God and he is in control and he is accomplishing a great work in us even though we might not think we're worth it or we might not know that he is accomplishing this work. So God would not send Moses to go talk to Pharaoh and just leave him alone and unprotected. God would never do that to him, and not God would never do that to us. He knew what was going to happen, that Moses would succeed because God was with Moses. And so God will not put us on a path to destruction, just like he's not going to put put Moses on a path of destruction. He's not going to put us on a path of destruction. He's not going to send us off to do his, his work and his will and then abandon us and snicker going, oh, he shouldn't have done that. Look at that, Kevin Bates, you know, whoops, right? So he's, he's not going to set us up to fail like some joke. The reality is this. A lot of times I set myself up for self-destruction. I send myself into self-destruction by second-guessing God. So what do I need to do? Well, first I need to be bold uh, with the call. We need to be bold for God. And so this week I was, I was on a Zoom session with some um, pretty predominant national key leaders in the business world in a, in a business program that I am in and have had literally once in a lifetime um, opportunities. And I was really inspired by the questions and the answers that people were asking and, and giving and, and the responses and just the opportunity to ask questions and answers. And so, you know, people on the Zoom uh, were like Warren Buffett and Mike Bloomberg and think, people like that. And so I, uh, I was listening to their illustrations and their metaphors, and Warren Buffett was on the call, and he said that in these times, in, in the times that we're losing our vision, in the times that we're losing our way, these are the times that we need to have boldness for our future. And he related it to an illustration of the end of World War II, where basically we were seeing signs of peace, but we were not seeing the end. We're not, we were not seeing the end of this war that we were in. And he was calling all of us to like this sense of courage to, at the end of the war, they rush the hill, right? And he was calling us to this sense of courage to, to rush the hill. So even when I feel like I'm almost ready to lose, that's the time for our greatest boldness. That's the time to rush the hill, and the only way that I can rush my hill, the only way that I can step out in boldness, even though I feel and I'm experiencing a huge sense of loss or void, or I've made my own mistakes and I've created my own war, right? Or I've, I just have a, a, a litany of, of basically just, just poor confidence or whatever it is, to overcome those fears, to overcome those lacks, I need to trust God. And I need to declare to myself, God is God and he is for me. God is for me. He is in me and he's still working through me. So Moses was being asked by God to go to Pharaoh, to call Pharaoh into reconciliation, to make the wrong things right. The tangible look of that was to let and release the Hebrew people. So just like Moses had to get over his fear and work through his fear to get to, to, to grow through his fear, 
and he did that in boldness, I need to do that in boldness to overcome and to work through and grow through my fear as well. So Moses was bold for God. And basically in the rest of the book of Exodus is the story of Moses following God, being bold for God, telling God's truth and really leading out. And he went before Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. And he was God's spokesman. And he was also, being God's spokesman, spokesman, he was the symbol and object of Pharaoh's anger. He was the symbol and object of Pharaoh's hate because we see as Moses is going to Pharaoh, Pharaoh is raining down plagues on, on Egypt. And so, so obviously it was God doing it, but the Pharaoh could not do anything to God. He could not overcome this God of the Hebrew ancestors. And so it's really interesting uh, in this is that the Pharaoh did not do anything basically to Moses. No matter how bold Moses was, he didn't strike him down right then and there. So God was with Moses because Moses was bold uh, for God. So with all of Moses and his limitations, with, with Moses and all of his fears, with his mistakes, even with Moses' sin, God still used him to literally, literally release an entire nation of people from slavery. He released an entire nation of people under oppression, released an entire nation and led them into freedom. And I believe that God can still do this and will do this today in our lives. And metaphorically, he can do that in your life as well. And that's what makes this story the best story ever. The best story ever. So let's take communion in that light, that God releases us from from bondage into freedom, into eternity, into the promised land of, of eternal promise in heaven and his love forever. And so as we take communion, let's just say thanks be to God that this is his body and this is his blood. It's given to us and he says, do this in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, we're thankful for this story of hope and boldness and courage. Lord, you called us to great work. You called us to live out your purposes in our life. It looks different for everybody. Lord, we might be scared. We might second guess. Lord, we might even deny or try to chase or run away and chase you off. Lord, but you have still called us to a great work. Help us to be bold for you. Help us to stand in God confidence in our life to accomplish the great works that you have called us to, to live out, Lord, in our lifetime. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.